Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Joined today by not only an NBA veteran, but also an Army veteran. Thank you for your service. Happy Memorial Day to the great Butch Beard. What's going on, Butch? I don't know, Mike. I, all I know is that this is a great time for us because uh, a lot of people sacrifice for us that have this beautiful day just to sit here and, and shoot the breeze, you know? So uh, being a veteran, uh, I, I look at it and I say, well, I did my part. I'm going to say something that, uh, that we didn't even discuss before we came on the air. Okay. I think that every male should go to the Army for one year. For, gonna, for one year. And I agree. And I'm going to tell you something. I tell everyone who I speak to, my biggest regret in life is not joining the military. Other countries, is a mandatory four years. That's a little ridiculous. Yes. One year would be the greatest commitment ever. Out of high school, one there year, you go. boom, then you decide what you want to do in your there life. There you go. Because it was, for me, a growing experience. Even though I was a little bit older, because I got drafted in the Vietnam War, uh, I was a college player, graduated and played one year of pro ball. But that one year, I grew tremendously as a man. Well, you, man. you grew tremendously, and then you had one of the best seasons of your career. <laughs> so let me ask you this. During your uh, Army days, you were practicing a little bit of basketball because you came back with the Cavs and had some hell of a season. I didn't do anything. I, I, I got drafted, went to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and I'll never forget. I, I go to basic, and the next thing you know, they, they tell me, you know, I'm going to be there. And the post commander, after – after all said and done, came over to where I was based, where they put me. They put me in this headquarters, and I ran the message center. Big stuff. <laughs> Very important stuff. Yes, yes, big stuff. <laughs> but the post commander comes in, and he was a relative of General Patton. Wow. And he comes in, he says, Beard. He says, let me tell you something. We're going to have the first Army tournament here in basketball here at Fort Knox. We need that little brown jug back. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Seriously. And I, I'm looking. I said, Mike, what the hell am I in right now? He says, we're going to have that little brown jug back here. Are you right, Beard? So I said, yes, sir. And I was fortunate enough to be around some guys that had played college ball. Okay. I had a, a few uh, officers that had played at Ohio. One had played at Ohio State, another one at Michigan. So we had a pretty good team, okay? But I didn't pass the ball to anybody. I averaged 35 <laughs> points a game, got his brown jug, and the rest is history, okay? <laughs> and you said off air, no bitterness about missing that one year? Because you, you're a rookie. You weren't like a veteran. You just got your name in the league. Now you're out for a year. Well, no nervousness about coming back? Do I have a team? Do I have no, a position? No, because I played basketball. Okay. I played basketball the whole time there. Uh, and that's what I did. I practiced. I played. I got an early out, and that's the reason why I went to Cleveland. I got an early out. Mm -hmm. I called Bill Fitch, who was the coach at the time, and I said, I can get an early out. And he said, well, can you come to camp? I came to camp. I went back, and then I came back, you know, got that early out, and the rest is history because I did have a very good year that year. Made the all-star team. So now this is some serious stuff here. Yeah. We're sitting in a Kentucky bar, Jack yeah. Dempsey's bar, uh -huh. 36 West 33rd Street between 5th and 6th Avenue. I got to give the plug since they let me do my <laughs> show here. You were Dick Gabriel. Do you know Dick Gabriel? Yes. Dick Gabriel, one of my mentors. I love him. I think he's amazing. I'm going down to do a show on Friday. He says your recruiting process was <laughs> insane from what he heard about Kentucky. Dick's a young guy. We all know. Do you remember being insane? And what do you remember most about the Louisville, Kentucky? Because now it's 
beyond the war now, especially with online media now? It wasn't back then. Was it just insane? It's, it's different. You've got to understand where the country was at that particular time. And the coach at Kentucky, of course, was Adolph Rupp. Mm-hmm. Had never had uh, an African-American player. You know, he never coached one. They tried to recruit the year before Wes Unsell, who was my teammate and roommate at the University of Louisville. Let's go ahead. Okay. But Wes turned them down, and they came t- for me. And I'm going to f- kind of help you out. You, you know a lot of Kentucky sports. I try to. Uh, yeah. Well, I was Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky in high school in 1965, so <laughs> that's a big honor, all right? And that, that's the reason why they came after me as hard as they did. They wanted me to be the first African-American to play in the SEC, and Kentucky was going to be the school that would integrate the SEC. sports. Wow. Okay? Uh, it became a very tough <clears throat> recruiting process for me because Louisville got involved. Kentucky was involved, and then the state basically got involved. I, I had my life threatened. I, I actually heard that. You know, Dick uh, Gabriel is, told this, me that. This that. is the truth. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. I, I had a guy come up to me, <laughs> 17 years old, a little country boy. You, 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 you wouldn't expect this. Mm-hmm. Came up, knocked on my door on a Saturday afternoon. That's just about 1 o'clock. And he says, are you Butch Beard? I said, yes, sir. He says, Dropped a big N on me and said, hey, if you go to Kentucky, we'll kill you. Wow. I want you to know that. You are a dead man. And walked right off of, walked right off of our front porch. And he was calm, cool, and collected. Yes, said to you, yes, a- yes. So when my father came I, and I told him about it, and he said, hey, if he ever comes back, if you can get on the phone and call me, we can take care of some of this, okay? <laughs> and that in itself told me that I want to be the pioneer. And if I had gone to Kentucky, that meant that I would have experienced a lot of that down south. I think I could have gone through it. And after a while, I decided, you know, I just don't want to do that. I really don't. And it had nothing to do with with Kentucky. It had nothing to do with Adolph Rupp. Is the fact I just didn't want to go through that. Now, I'm really glad you said that because, first of all, we're going to have so much fun. I just wanted to ask you that because I actually wrote – Goose Givens has been on my show, and we talked about race because the right. biggest issue with race is people don't want to talk about it. And I said, I wrote down my notes, was race a part of you going to Kentucky? Now, did you ever feel that you were kind of like, now definitely not a charity case, you were Mr. Kentucky, mm-hmm. but did you feel like, okay, let's just grab, we need a black player, let's grab Butch, or did, did they really want you? I, I think they really wanted me. Okay. I, I really do. I, this is because the recruiting process is entirely different because I've been on both sides of that. I do know that the alumni really went out of their way to try to see if they could convince me to come, mm-hmm. all right? I know that back then you could take as many official visits as you wanted. <laughs> so every time we went to Kentucky, they would take my old man and they would take him off, and the next thing you know, they'd give him some Jack Daniels and a steak, and he was okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we go back to the country. We'd be driving back. He said, hey. It's not a bad place, okay? <laughs> he said, for, for all I know, they might have mm-hmm. done that too, but he never did say, okay? So <laughs> it, was, it was a really interesting time. And that, for, now it would be crazy 
being the best player, because you won the best plays in the country, Kentucky, Louisville. Imagine now with Twitter and Facebook. Oh. It would be oh, it would be, be hell, really. It, it really would be hell. I, I have a friend in, in Louisville who was my agent, Bruce Miller, is a guy. He was also Dan Issel and, and Louis Dampier. Now I'm okay. talking to those UK guys now. You sure you, are, yeah. <laughs> All right, we were, he was my agent. And Bruce did tell me later on, he said he had an opportunity to sit down with Adolph. And Rupp said, these are Bruce's words, people, not mine. I probably should have recruited the beard boy, (laughs) the beard boy, a little, you know, a little harder because he said, I think with the beard kid, we might have won one more NC2A championship. Wow. That was that was what Rupp told him. So that kind of made me feel pretty good. Now, we met at the Kentuckians of New York dinner. Yes. I'm not a Kentuckian, but I still go to those things. <laughs> Why'd you stay up in New York? What was it about? You, you live in New York I, now. So I, what, came, what was it? I came here in 75, and I love it. I came here. I got traded here in 75 and playing for the Knicks. And so, therefore, that was the reason why I stayed in, in New York. I've been in and out, in and out. But basically, I've been in the metropolitan area since 1975. You played your last four seasons of the NBA with the Knicks. Yes. I love the Knicks. I live and die with them. It's so tough. It really is. Right now it is Right tough. now it's impossible. But you played with Earl. Yes. Walt Frazier. Yes. Was Walt Frazier larger than life like he's portrayed now? Was he just – did he own the city of New York? All right. <laughs> he did more than own it. I get traded. I get traded, and I fly in, and they're playing the Celtics. I'm in Louisville. I'm, I'm, all, I'm on waivers from Cleveland. Okay. And I get traded, and Eddie Donovan, the, the general manager, calls me, and he tells me, we picked up your contract. Can you get in here? We'll have a game. So I get here at 4.30 in the afternoon, and what is it? The, right down the street. the Penn Station? Penn Station. Penn Station. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I am, and and I walk across, and Eddie and and Dick Barnett is the assistant okay. coach for Ridge. <laughs> yep. They started, you know, they I'm go over about three hours before the game, and they're showing me plays, and I'm going through this with Red. I said, Red, I know you plays. He said, What are you talking about? I said, I know you plays. He said, Tell me. So I he started to say, Well, what is two F one? No, two F one. And I drew it up. He says, you do. I said, I listened to the scouting report. I've been traded more times than you ever know. <laughs> so that was, that was one thing. So the next day we have practice downtown at Pace. Okay. See, it's not like it is now. No, no. All right? So we I go. actually know you guys practice down at Pace. Oh, yeah. Okay. We did Pace College. So, okay. So I want to come back uptown. <laughs> and Clyde, of course, has his big Bentley. So, bid, you want to ride uptown? Bid, I'll drop you off, bid. So, we're starting to drive back up. And a homeless dude wants to clean his windows. He just had his car washed, okay? And that rag was pretty dirty, I must admit. <laughs> the so he, you guys oh, are the yeah. worst. So, he started to streak and, and, and clad his head. On Wolf Frazier's yeah, car, yeah. he's squeezing it. Bid, bid, you got a dollar. If you got a dollar, bid, he'll leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, Clyde ended up being, he ended up being my roommate for about three weeks. And it was, it, 
truly remarkable. And I got a place up on the east side. Okay. 80th and uh, First Avenue. All right. So one day he drives me up there. And I had been going to this little fruit vegetable stand all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was a group run. This little stand was run by an Asian family. Okay. And, they, you know, they were good to me. They speak and everything. So this day, Clyde decides he wants to get out and get some vegetables and some apples and everything. So he walks out and they say, oh, number 10. <laughs> number 10. Just like that. I said, well, I'm number nine and I come in here all the time. They don't give a oh, shit about number nine. No, 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 no. Number 10. Number 10. We know number 10. I said, oh, man. Oh, that's my guy, though. I'm telling you. So that's, he, he owned the city? Yeah, he owned the city. And now I live uptown. And Clyde, I live three blocks from Clyde and five from Earl. And as Earl says. Really? Yeah, as Earl says, you know, Harlem's not big enough for the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> Was Walt decent with the ladies? Was he okay with the ladies? Yeah, I, I opened up the door quite a few times for people knocking on the door. The ladies knocked on the door, okay? We, and I'd walk out. <laughs> I said, let's see. Bid, come back, bid, bid, come back. No, 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 bid. <laughs> now, we, we just talked about social media with recruiting. Um, so many players that come on the show, so many from players that play now to play 30 years ago, yeah. they said that they would be miserable playing in New York with social media now. You can never sit at a bar, you and Walt, with girls. The phones would be out to tweet, you know, Twitter and stuff. Yeah. It would be impossible for that to even happen. Because you guys had some wild times with those Nick teams, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. But, I mean, it all depends on how you let social media, you know, dictate your life. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we went out. When, finally, when I got settled into New York, I basically would go out once a month. Or because we had games, you okay. know, most, most of our home games were on a Saturday night. So once a month, I'd stay out all night. After the game, I'd stay out. <laughs> I'd, go, I'd go home around about 6 in the morning, have my breakfast, and go home and sleep, okay? <laughs> so, but that was the beauty of running with Clyde, running with Earl, had Spencer Haywood, and Iman. I mean, th those were the good old days. Those were the good old days. Huh? You know, I'm a little country boy. I'm just tagging along, having fun. And Walt, larger than life, oh, you're in the biggest oh, city please, in the world running please, it. Please, please. Favorite New York City hangout back then? Oh, man. We were every place. <laughs> I, it it might even have been up on the east side of Lanes. Oh, of course. Because, it's a legendary place. Yeah, because, you know, Reggie Jackson gets in town, and that's funny in itself because Reggie, when he gets here, He's up, he lives up on the east side, and when we won the championship out of Golden State in 75, Reggie played for the Oakland A's, all right? And I got to tell you a great Reggie story, okay? okay? <clears throat> We're playing Chicago, all right? Okay. We're playing Chicago in Chicago, and that series goes to a seventh game. The Oakland A's are in Chicago, and he comes to the game. All right. Reggie. Reggie does. Okay. So the A's come back west, and we come back for the seventh game. And they had an afternoon game, and we had a night game. Okay. <laughs> we come in 
probably two and a half hours before the game because it, it was, you know, that complex out there even now. Mm-hmm. You have the baseball football field, then you have, you know, Arco Arena. And walk into the locker room, and Reggie's there. <laughs> He's sitting in our locker room. I'll never forget. I said, what the hell are you doing here? Man, I disputed a, a third strike. I got thrown out. He said, I can't miss this game. I can't miss this game. And so now he gets, you know, the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees signing, and I'm walking home. And, and I'm on 72nd, about 3rd Avenue. I lived on 70, I lived on 80th and 1st, and I'm walking. I got my Army outfit on. I got my Army jacket, All right. a Big Apple hat. You know, yeah, you had you had to love it. I, you know, my bag from practice, and the horn blows, boop, 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 and this Bentley is at, you know, and I look, and it's Reg. Hey, Bush, Bush. I said, oh man, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> great guy, a great guy, great guy. Great I want to know guy. how the Upper East Side dealt with all you guys, because you guys must have been crushing it back then well it was awesome I, right like i said i was only out once once a month i i normally stayed in now here's the thing about i love about new york right. and new york fans when you're out and especially when i became an assistant coach i could be out eating and they come over hey butch come on man can't you and red come up with a play to get you know can't you get ray and sugar open i mean come on and would draw up a play and give it to me you know, and I'd always say. We're the best I'll, coaches in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I always say, hey, look, I'll, I'll deal with you, but give me a chance to eat my meal, okay? That's all. And now even today, and this is what I love about New Yorkers. What? My, my career has been over since 79. Okay. And, I, and my wife will tell you, it's truly remarkable for me, Nick fans who know you, can be walking across the street. Hey, Butch, what's wrong with the Knicks? Come on, man. Come on. You got to get in there. You got to coach them. You got to, you know, you got, and that's what makes you feel good about being in the city. Butch, I'm going to tell you something. We're at the Kentuckians of New York dinner, and my girlfriend Julie is here, and, you know, we walked around the room. I'm Mm -hmm. so and so, and I knew who you were when you walked in, but I didn't want to be, I was already all over George Vesey, who just came on last week. He was awesome. And Butch Beard, I look over to her, I go, we got to talk to him. I got to see if you can help out the Knicks. And that's what I said at the dinner. I'm like, we need some goddamn help. You mentioned the Knicks. You played with Phil. Yes. Who I heard was very easy on everyone in practice. Or he, he didn't smack anyone around and foul anybody. Is there any hope for the Knicks in the next few years? Give me some kind of hope. We can't even win the lottery. With- well, I think that Phil has to make a decision on what direction he really wants to go. If they want to build this around KP. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it seems like that they are not in love with Carmelo right now. Yeah, they're doing him dirty. Uh, if if they if they you know if they want to go ahead and and see if they can get him someplace where he has a chance to possibly win a championship at this stage of his career, I think they should go ahead and do that and see if they can build it around KP and some young kids. And I'm going to tell you now, Mike. It could be four to five years and a lot of luck. It's not going to happen overnight. But see, we're, as me as a fan, I live and die with sports. <clears throat> I always say the same story. If people listen to my podcast, my ex-wife truly left me over sports. God's honest truth. Kentucky, the Yankees, the Knicks. The reason she left me. 
I'm okay with the four years. I just don't want to be in the middle. I hate being the 12th pick, the 11th pick. Let's yeah. suck for two years. Let's get the first pick. Let's build a team and then have a little dynasty going. That's what it's so frustrating with this team. Here, here, is, here is what is frustrating. Until you know what direction you want to go and tell the fans and see if the fans are going to buy into it. See, you're all the time piecemealing. Mm-hmm. Piecemealing. I thought that Phil did a good job of trying to put it together this year by bringing in Rose and Noah. The problem was they were both coming off of injuries, and you never know if they're going to, you know, hold up, and we found out, you know, what happened there. Now, these guys are going to have to understand, and I'm talking about today's players. Phil is a firm believer in running the triangle. Don't, everybody acts like the triangle is a bad thing. It may not be as bad as you, as you think, okay, in the mere fact that it's a thinking man's type of offense. There are many options. I, I ran it in college. I actually went to Chicago when Phil was there and just got the basics of it because I knew that my kids didn't have the basketball IQ that a pro player should have, okay? Okay. Because they look up on it, most of the kids today look up on it as a negative, mm-hmm. then they're never going to give it a chance to try to see if it's any good. Because they're going in there negative, like, hey, I don't want to deal with this shit. I keep right, hearing right. about how bad the triangle because when the back page of the post is like triangle loss, it's yes. like, oh, God, this triangle it can never work. Yeah, yeah, and so, therefore, that's what makes this so bad. Now, the pure, pe- the pure basketball people who watch today's game, what do we have? We have dribble penetration and kick, mm-hmm. or we have pick and pop. Hell, it doesn't take a damn genius to do that, <laughs> okay? Only the, the only difference in the two teams that we're going to see in the finals, they do the same thing. They have people that can shoot. They have a skill. They have special, special they players. They have a skill. They have a skill. So if you have a skill and you can shoot the ball, you can play that type of game. If you don't have that particular skill, wouldn't you want to run mm-hmm. something that would at least enhance you and give you an opportunity to be successful on the floor? Just saying. When you want to kick it out and there's nobody to shoot, there's the issue. Yes. Okay, now you just brought up the NBA Finals. Yes. I'm going to ask you a real question. Okay. How would you guys sweep the bullets? Because I looked at the roster today. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I knew you won a title. <laughs> I hope that's not like uh, being a – Oh, it was a slap, but go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. no, no, no. no, no. I looked at your you. roster. Okay. Go ahead, Rick Barry. Yeah. And then Wes Unseld. Uh, who else was on the team? Elvin Hayes you, ahead. How, Phil Chenier But you had. swept them. Like, yes, how would you sweep them? Well, that see, was incredible. But see, you didn't look at the whole – you didn't look at the whole picture. Back, back then, we played four times mm-hmm. because of the East Coast, West Coast thing. They beat us three out of four times by a total of nine points. During the regular season? During the regular okay. season. Okay. So they beat us by a total of nine points. Well, that's a, that's a play here or there. That's a shot here or there. You heard that the NBA is what? A make a miss lead. Yeah, of course. All right. And we, we actually believe that we were pretty damn good. And we were. We were a team. We had a superstar who got a, a majority of the press, but we didn't care. Our rookie of the year, the rookie of the year was Jamal Wilkes. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Is he had a play. So, so Hall of Fame. he's a Hall of Fame, isn't he? He, he yes. should be. I if think he's he is. not, I think he, he is should be. He should be close to being in. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. So I mean, we had good players. We had Clifford Ray, who was our starting center. But it's the whole East Coast. You're flying West Coast to the East Coast, yeah. and you swept him. You don't see sweeps anymore. That's well, crazy. Well, what happened was we came from behind and won the first game in 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 DC. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that kind of we came from like sixteen down, okay. That put something in the head, like that oh put shit, something this team doesn't head. die. And and here here was the thing about it: the series was so crazy. We didn't have our home court. We didn't have the Arco Arena. We had to play our games at the Cow Palace because Arco Arena oh. had the ice capades. They wouldn't no, give no, up, they on. wouldn't give up the dates. <laughs> uh, you can't make this How up. How awesome is that? So, so we had to play our games in the Cow Palace where the old San Francisco, when they left Philadelphia and came, went to San Francisco, no. that's where they played, okay? So our two games that we played were in the Cow Palace. So when we beat Washington those two games and we came back east, we were pretty much sure that we were going to win the damn thing. Wow. Okay. That is pretty awesome right there. I see, didn't know any of that. Do, see, no, people, I didn't know that. People don't know that. They, 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 they forget that because the finals were, I think, CBS did the finals. Okay. But they taped it. Oh, I know. <laughs> Imagine, can you picture now being taped the late finals? No, no. The finals now, uh, ESPN Today actually had like, I think it's 538, whatever does this, the odds on everything, gave the Cavs a 9% chance to win. So that means the Warriors a 91% chance to win. I never count that LeBron. Never, that's it. It's not, you bet $100, you can win $400 if the Cavs win the series. On a $100 bet. Hmm. Two-part question. Do you like watching the Warriors the way they play now? I personally don't. I think it's... Oh. You like it? I love it. Why? I love it. Because they have skill. Oh, no, listen. They're beyond no, talented. No, no. no, no. I, I think I'm just a hater because... Curry, one more. If he would have fell one more spot, he would have been a Nick. I, I think it's the yeah. Whole well, well, that, maybe that's maybe that's what you, that maybe that's what's bothering you. But no, they 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 are so good at distributing the ball. That's the reason why Durant was able to come there and become a part of the team, and they didn't miss a beat. The only problem by getting Durant, I felt, and I still feel it, is that. By getting him, they had to get rid of a lot of role players from last year. Harrison Barnes, these bench yes, players, which yes. I hopefully are going to hurt them in the finals. <laughs> I want them to lose. I do. I do. You, want do, them to lose. you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to help you, Mike. Okay. Win or lose, I'm a winner. Oh, you get. I know. You, no, you're, no, you're a Cavs. You're you a go. Warrior. You're good. See, <laughs> win or lose, I'm a winner, okay? <laughs> and people don't even know. Now, we're really going to drop some. We're going to drop some knowledge on them. Okay. You're talking to an original Cleveland Cavalier. The first year out of the Army? Yes. You played for the Cavs? Yes. Yes. You- they, they were an expansion team. Oh, I didn't know that. They, they, they Holy chose. Holy shit. That was Atlanta, first- Atlanta put me on, on the expansion list. They okay. chose me. So I am an original Cleveland Cavalier, okay? I am. Hey, <laughs> hey, Mike, I'm in their Hall of Fame. Are you? Well, you had that all-star season with them. Yes, I'm in their Hall of Fame. Now, if you take if if they if you take a look when the teams come in and they show them, and especially were the visiting team their locker room, there's Butch Beard on the wall. 
So now you're going to play the whole, if, if they win, I'm from the land. If they win, I, hey, I want to I chip in Golden State. Yeah. 72 All-Star game. Yes. You played with Wilt, Kareem, Jerry West, the Big O. Were you ever in awe of ever, You're an awesome player. You were an All-Star in the NBA. Were you ever in awe of a player like, holy shit, I'm on the floor with Oscar Robinson, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Jerry West. Did it ever like, holy shit, look what I'm on the floor with or no? Yeah. Oh, it did? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> hey, my idol is Oscar Robinson. Here was the best, here was the best thing about that All-Star game. This was the first time I had any association with Red Hoseman. So great, was, great Nick coach. Yes. Of course. That, hey, that's my mentor. I know, I know. Right? I, heard, I read that. Uh, come in the locker room before the game, and we were underdogs <clears throat> because we weren't as big. You know, the West had oh, had uh, had Jerry. They had Will. You know. That, and was Kareem on them? Was you on the Bucks then? Kareem was on the Bucks. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. So, I mean – they were, in a sense, I guess favorite because it was played at the Felt Forum in Inglewood, right? And now, Butch, let me jump in. That was when the game actually – you actually played the game. You played the it game. It wasn't like no, no, 183 no, no, to 187. No, no. You guys you, played you, the game. You actually played. You, <laughs> okay, okay. Because here's the deal. We had to preface that. The winner, the winner, got, the winner got like uh, $1,500 okay. a piece. That's a lot of money <laughs> It is. Here. It is. It's a lot of money now. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So, so, so you guys are the dogs. So, Come into the doggone locker room and read his pregame talk was very uh, mundane. It, it was okay. And DeBusher was on our team. So Red says, in order us, for us to even stay in this game, I need somebody who can rebound and get me some rebounds tonight. So DeBusher said, Red, I'll get you 10 to 15 rebounds if you have a six-pack over here. <laughs> he said, Red said, it's a done deal. <laughs> I'm sitting in here, what? You're, you're in the second year in the league. Yes, like, holy yes. shit. I am a rookie. I, my, my eyes are like, they're like, you know, they're as wide as you can get. And not only that, during that time, during the All-Star break, they had something, uh, they had a one-on-one contest that Gillette did. Okay. Okay? So, instead of Bill Fitch having somebody to, you know, perform for that. Now they have, you know, the shooting contest. The dunk contest. Yeah. But one-on-one, John Johnson and I represented Cleveland. And I won my first, I won my first round. I forget who it was against. And then my second round was against uh, my ex-teammate was against uh, uh, Jeff Mullins. Okay. Okay. Who was San Francisco at the time. And I said, Jeff, I said, Bill told me if, I miss practice. He's going to take money away from me. I said, you can win this thing so I can make it back to practice. I mean, that, that's poor. I mean, that's, that's just the nature of the beast, okay? So what, that All-Star weekend, was, it, was, it was so much fun. It was hard for people to believe. I mean, I mean Big E, Wes, I mean, and we lose by two. Jerry West hits a he hits a damn shot about a fifty footer to tie it up and then you know we lose in overtime. But it's typical Jerry for what he does. Mr. Clutch. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was it was really something. But I'll never forget after the game. Guess what? That six pack was in there where the bush was. It? How many and rebounds he had, did he have? He had seventeen Come rebounds. <laughs> what was your welcome to the NBA moment? Whether it be your First year with Atlanta, with Cleveland. Was there a uh, my rookie year? Okay, let me hear. My rookie year was I was coached by a great Nick, Richie Guerin. Okay. 
Richie Guerin was a player coach, okay? We're playing Seattle. Now, Atlanta didn't take any. We didn't take any stuff, okay? We're playing, and there was a guy by the name of Dale Sluter who played for Seattle. A big white guy, about 6'10". We ended up being teammates later on in Seattle when okay. I played there. And Sluter is just, he's knocking people around, banging people, knocking people. So <laughs> Lou Hudson comes into, he comes into one of the timeout huddles, and he says, somebody's got to take care of him. But he says, see, I just got hit. And he had a big old whip upside his head. And Bill Bridges, who was our enforcer, says, don't worry about it. I got it. Just like that. Don't worry nice about it. Nice and calm. I got, I got this. Oh, I got this, okay? So we go out on the floor. And the next thing you know, Bill just clocks Sluter. I'm telling you. <laughs> Blood shoots everywhere. It, it was the damnest thing I've ever seen. Now, I, in my rookie year, I, my eyes, I, I'm sitting next to a guy by the name of Don O'L. Okay. O-H-L. Played at Illinois. Great score. Played with Gene Shue in Detroit. They were a great combination back in the early 60s, late 50s. Okay. Okay. All right. So the fight breaks out, and I'm getting ready to get up just to be in the middle of it. I'm not going <laughs> to do fight. something. Yeah. yeah, I'm not fighting, okay? And Wax grabs me. He says, Rook, you stay right here. <laughs> Don't you go anyplace, all right? So they finally break it up, and Richie comes over, and Wax is just sitting there. And Richie says, Rook, you should have gotten into that. He said, I ought to whip your – just like that. Now, Richie, Richie fought. He was a fighter. He was a brawler. Oh, Richie fought. Now, Richie was in the middle of it. Richie threw punts. Richie fought, okay? And here comes the eye-awakening thing. At halftime, to go in with those veteran players and see them pull out a pack of cigarettes and light up and start. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Really? Yes, the NBA. You made welcome. it to the NBA. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> you remember, now we're doing like the life of Butch Beard. Your NBA career ends. You start coaching. Uh, Chuck Daly gets fired from the Nets. Yes. And you took over? Yes. You coached the Nets for three years? Or two years. Two years. Do you feel they never reached the potential? Because on paper, Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, Chris Childs, Jason Williams, that's a, that's Chris, a hell of a goddamn team. Chris Morris. I mean, Kevin Edwards. I had Sleepy Floyd. I mean, you got. I know. We, I know people yeah. joke around that the assist. You got Dare. He was a big guy yeah. for George Washington. You yeah. had a, a nice core. But yeah. you, why the potential never? The immaturity of the players, I think, more than anything else. See, Chuck took them to the playoffs the year before. Okay. And I'm not going to tell you why Chuck left. All right. I can't do that. All right. All right? That's fair. God bless him. Chuck called me, and we had, a, we had a big dinner over in Jersey City. Okay. And he, you know, gave me some information on my players, and he told me the reason why he couldn't do it anymore. <clears throat> so I was hoping to get them to understand that, and I think, and I think those players thought I had a lot to do with Chuck leaving. Okay. Because I came from out of nowhere, I think they you thought weren't this, You I weren't an assistant, thought, you just came right in. Well, here's, I was an assistant 
Willis Reed is the one who got me the job okay. because he was a general manager. And I played for Willis. And I worked for Willis before I left New Jersey and went to Howard University. The NBA was telling me that they could, they couldn't, I couldn't get a job because I didn't have any head coaching experience. And, hell, I had the best tutor in the world in Red Hoseman, you know. I honestly, I honestly thought when I was the assistant coach, and you're hearing this first, when okay. I was an assistant coach for the Knicks, I honestly thought that Red was mentoring me for that job. I honestly believe that because he's the one who got me into coaching. You don't even know the number of hours I would set up with him at night and we would talk basketball, how he did certain things. I, I love the way that Red interacted with the players. Did you know you wanted to be a coach? Uh, yeah, after, after Red, you okay. know, after I had spent some time around him. Because Steve Masiello was on here, and uh, he coached for Coach P, Coach mm-hmm. Patino. And when he went to Kentucky, he said he went there knowing he wanted to be a coach, so practice was different for him. During the practices, during the workouts, he sort. So when you knew you wanted to be a coach, did you see things a little differently? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And Red, Red was the first to tell me, because when Red brought me back as an assistant coach, say I could still play. I was at like thirty-one, okay, and I'd practiced every day. Really, I practiced every day. Okay. And Red used to, and he would put me in practice, and then he'd tell me after practice, "You're not a damn player. You're a coach." <laughs> Well, why'd you put me in practice? No, but you know, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, I I really thought that he was mentoring me for the job because he used to he used to have me. That's when MSG really got started. I was always pregame MSG, mm-hmm. halftime, and post. He Red would never talk to the press, and occasionally, if I had made a statement to like. Harvey Arrington, who was covering oh, wow. me at the time, or covering the Knicks at the time, or Nat Gottlieb, those guys, or even Fred Kerber, he'd always, he, you know, he'd get, he said, hey, now, now your mouth has diarrhea. You're talking too much. <laughs> you know, just, you can talk to just him. Give, just give him a little bit. Him, just don't tell him everything, okay? So I honestly believe that that's what he was trying to do. Now, you don't even understand uh, – at one time, you know, when Red it was my second, it was my second year, we had an all-black team here. The whole team. The whole team was black. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, now people would be offended, but this is what they called us. They called us the New York Niggerbockers. Really? I don't think that made sports radio back then. No, it didn't. <laughs> really? That's what people said. There yeah. was no white guys on the team. No white guys. Wow. Ray Williams. Sugar Ray. Marvin Webster, Sly Williams, Hollis Copeland. This is that group. Is I think it was the 82-83 group. All black. And here's what happened. <laughs> we go to camp. Okay. Then you guys, did you guys even realize it or you don't? Well, you yeah, know, we it's like, oh, there's no white dude over here. There's no, okay. Yeah. You know, here, here, here's what happened. We go to camp. And after, you know, after, after practice, you sat down and, you, and Red was very good at this. All right. Butch, you put down your, you know, 10 best players. And I was assistant coach, Hal Fisher. You put down your 10 best players. Put them down. Red, you put them down. Put them out on the table. Same 10 people all the time. 
And finally, one day, I'll never forget, we were there. We were having lunch. I said, Red, do you realize this is an all-black team? He says, I don't care if they're all purple. He said, these are the best players we got. Okay? I said, Red, we're going to catch a lot of hell for this. He said, if we win, we won't. Now, it, was a, it, was a, it was a good ball club. Mm-hmm. We, won, we won over 50. I think we won 50 games. You guys were second. You guys yeah. were second, yeah. Yeah, and we lose to Chicago. Uh, Reggie Theus and the artist Gilmore and, and you know that that group that was there and artists just physically whipped everybody's butt okay no 53 didn't he wear 53 yeah, or something yeah yeah but I mean he just physically whipped all of our big guys okay but I'm gonna get back to me I just thought that Red was grooming me for the for the job then after that I don't know what the hell happened within the organization and he gets fired, and I had a guy, I won't even mention his name, who came to me, and he says, hey, uh, <laughs> he asked me, first of all, if I was married. I said, did you go to HR? <laughs> and he says, oh. he says, well, I, you know, we're going to make a change. I said, okay, you make a change, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, you know, that's what, you, that's what you're going to do. But uh, that's where it all started for me to be all over the place, Okay. To be all over the place, which was interesting. Now, coaching the Nets, did you coach Cal Perry, who can followed walk, me? Who followed? I was me? just gonna come on, Coach Cal, who can walk on water than me. In yeah. Cal, we trust. He is the say all. <laughs> believe me. I, I tell my girlfriend, my fam, my mom every day has to hear about Coach Cal, Coach Cal, Coach Cal. He can walk on water, the man. I love him. Um, he coaches obviously the greatest place in the world. He coaches University of Kentucky. I know you disagree with that. No, but I don't disagree. No, I know. I, 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 you know what? There's no ill will. I, I know that. I, I, I have no ill will. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm was, one of very few. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was so hard about coaching? Because, listen, he's not leaving Kentucky. Forget about the money he's making or whatever. Was it hard coaching the players who already made the money? Is that yeah. difficult? It has to be, right? Yeah, that's the hard. That, that was the other part. You know, my t- top players, one you've had on. Kenny Anderson. New, yes. I, yes. Five times Kenny comes yes. on. He comes on all the time. You know, I, you know Kenny and Derek. They they were they they made a hell of a lot of money. I, I tried to convince them to whether you like me or not, you know. Try to understand what I'm saying to you is that if we come together as a team, and I had talent. That ball club was talented. Very okay? talented. Even the next year, you guys had a yeah. Ed O'Bannon. You yes. guys got, you yes. were talented. Yes, we had talent. What we need to do is come together to see if we can win an NBA championship. I, by winning one as a player and knowing how hard it was to do it, see, it takes everybody on the same page going in the same direction, okay? You don't have to like everybody. But if your thought process is headed in the same direction, you can pull it off. And I thought, I thought that we were as talented as we could possibly be. And the biggest problem was, again, you're getting a lot of information, inside information. Again, it happened when we were in camp and I was put in the middle of something. Derek Coleman, the organization wanted a dress code. Okay. Okay. This is before they made Allen Iverson change all his yes, shit. Okay. Yes. Wanted a dress code. And the dress code was this. When we were traveling, wanted the players to at least 
and we did it when when I was playing, have a sports jacket, sport coat, you know, dress shirt. Derek Coleman didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to be in a sweatsuit. All right? Now, I'm almost in agreement with him. That way, if I get into the next place on a back-to-back and I get in after 1 o'clock. You get a right to hotel, right to sleep. Well, you're trying, okay? (laughs) Because there are many nights that you get in, people don't even realize. You get, you know, you play in one city, get into another city, and you may not even get there until 3 in the morning. You know, you don't want to have, you know, a shirt and tie and all that. So he fought the net organization, and it made it seem like he was fighting me. He had no issue with you. Maybe he did because I was, <laughs> you know, I, I tried to tell, I tried to tell DC. I said, DC, I'm with you all the way, but this is what our bosses want. Okay, now if we win some damn games and let them win a lot of them, I can go back in there. It'll and tell slide them, hey, a little bit. Yeah, I can go back in there and tell them, hey, look, dressing that way has nothing to do with it. And I, I always told him, I said, DC, you still want to look a certain way before one o'clock in the morning when you walk into it, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, it looked like every day he was defying me. And we were, the organization was finding him $500. This is a guy who made $9 million a year, as I told Willis. Come on. That means nothing. That's like $5 to him. And we had that, Derek and I had that conversation. And, and, I'll never forget one day after practice, we were having this conversation. I said, you know what, DC? I said, let me tell you something. I understand where you're coming from. Because he told me, he says, you know what? I wipe my rear end with $1,000 bills. <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I get it. Okay, I, I get where you're coming from, man. I said, but if I had my druthers, see, I would find your butt. I'd take all your money. You would have to French kiss me <laughs> in order to get back. Okay? The $500 does yeah, yeah. nothing. Well, $500, just, I mean nothing. It causes unnecessary nothing. friction. Yeah. That's what it did. And so D.C. made a statement to the press. He said, I just gave them a blank check. They fill it in. Okay. And so it always seemed like he was defying me. Fighting management, and they put you into the management. There you go. Oh, okay, okay. I was in the middle of it. All right? <laughs> now, the, the one trade, I don't know if you were coaching. When they traded Coleman for Sean Bradley, were you still coaching? Yes, I did was. Did you just throw your hands up like, how am I going to win? No like knock that. on Sean Bradley I or BYU, had, but it's like, dude, I had Derek Coleman, who's one of the great talents. Maybe never reached actually, his potential. I actually thought there was another trade that was going to be done. Okay. And we'll, I won't mention that one. I, I, got I actually thought, okay, so you know everybody knew about that damn trade except Butch? That's great. <laughs> now, I got to tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you something. I made a few notes to do the show. You exceeded every part of the show. Because a lot of times I'll have people on, they'll answer the question, which is, we have such a good time. You gave me such in, inside <laughs> info. I'm loving it. Did you, were you surprised or shocked that you never got another chance at the NBA? Yeah. And was your name ever floated out there? Like, never. No. Really? And that, well, I'm not going to say what. It does. It upsets me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because I went to college mm-hmm. and coached and took a historical black institution, Howard University, to the NC2A tournament. They haven't even come close to going back since. Uh, I, after I got fired by New Jersey, I became an assistant coach 
with Jim Clemens down in Dallas. And I was an assistant coach with another one of my good friends, Garfield Hurd, with the Washington Wizards. Both got fired. So I guess that stuck because, you know, you know, I'm guilty by association. Okay. Okay, so I guess the NBA felt that, you know, they couldn't get it done. I couldn't get it done. But you know what? In the business of sports and in that business, you have to – fail in order to figure out how to succeed. Not that I felt that I was a total failure at my job in New Jersey because I fought a whole bunch of stuff. I was not only fighting players, I'm fighting management. I'm the middle man in all of this craziness, okay? Uh, I go to college right after, you know, I go to college after my first stint in New Jersey and take Howard, you know, to the NC2A tournament. And I come back, and this thing in New Jersey gets so crazy. I don't know how everybody could have figured that it was my problem. My best player, D.C., was hurt for over 30 games. Mm-hmm. My, the rookie that we drafted, Yanka Del Rey, they put on me. But I was hired 24 hours before the draft. So he wasn't your no, so no offense to him, but yeah, he wasn't yeah, your right, guy. Right, right, right. So how do I have any input on that damn draft? Mm-hmm. I did have some input into Eddie O'Bannon, which you should have because at UCLA he was yes, great. Yes, and we also knew that his knees were bad, so we were taking a chance. But he oh, was okay. player. He was player of the year, mm-hmm. so we figured maybe he, you know, his knees will be okay. That didn't work out for him or for me, but I'll take I'll take that hit. It wasn't really a hit. Everybody thought everybody, Ed O'Bannon was the guy. He yeah, was the stud. Yeah, I understand. But I said, I'll take that hit, okay? I sat in that room and said, well, if if we won't do I had someone else in mind, but I was talked out of that. Oh, so, can you say who it was? No, I won't oh, do it. All right, all right. <laughs> and that kid ended up playing for 10 years, okay, for about four different teams. Okay. All right. I won't do it. All right. Okay. But so, I'll look at that draft yeah, now. So yeah. <laughs> but I'll take that hit. Okay. But I, I, I'm really pissed mm-hmm. that I didn't get another, yeah. another, you know, another look. All right. I really am. Yeah. Uh, and it was and, a dysfunctional and to, organization. Yeah, well, and and to this day, I'm still trying to figure out. What was the NBA thinking about Butch Beard? Mm-hmm. What were they saying? You know, you understand? Yeah, of course. I, I was curious about it too. When yeah. I when you look it up, it's like Nets, and then that was it. It's like yeah. oh, it's still young. Yeah, so, yeah it was just surprising. Yeah. So, but I was I was an assistant with two other guys, two mm-hmm. other friends of mine. But because they didn't succeed, well, the Butch Beard must have contributed another another organization, organization Butch Beard. That. Yeah. And 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 to be honest with you, the one in Dallas is more intriguing than anything else. Again, I'm spilling my guts. What, what am I drinking? I was going to say, I'm going to have to give Butch Beard some drinks drink, for the next I'm, show. I'm drinking, I'm drinking tonic water here. Yeah. What am I drinking? The next Maybe show this Butch. is truth serum. <laughs> okay? But, no, I <laughs> – but, Mike, I, here again, this is, this is good stuff, but it's, it's real stuff. In Dallas, Jim Clemens comes from Chicago, and he wants me as his head assistant. And I go with him. And we get to the point where Dallas was trying to see if they could, you know, survive with the three J's. Jason Kidd. Jimmy Jackson, Jamal Mashburn. There you go. 
Tony right. Braxton got involved in that. Hello. Yep. Hello. See, I, so she. Gets, I need you on for eight hours because I remember when that Maverick team had not to interrupt you. I remember being as a young fan. I see a team, and you always want to like the young players. Jamal Mashburn, Kentucky guy. Jason Kidd, the Cal guy, number five. The, mm-hmm. Jimmy Jackson, Ohio State. State. Like yeah. this is going to be the three J's. Maybe the next ten years. Then you one row TB on that shoe with Tony Braxton. Someone else was, and Tony Braxton broke up. What could have been like the greatest. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It started right here in this city. Oh, please! Now you have to tell that you drank a lot. Of truth we, serum. We we we, <laughs> we come to New York to play. Okay, and she's here, but she's here recording. Okay, okay. So she's at a studio, and one of the J's. I'm not gonna say. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, knew she was here. All right. So he goes to the studio. The other two go out with their teammates. They find out and blah, 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 blah. It gets to be nutty after that. Okay? So we go back to Dallas, and we have this big meeting, and Clem is inviting me in because Clem's a, a hell of a nice guy, doesn't like confrontation. I don't like confrontation, but I can deal with it, okay? So we're in a meeting with all three of them, and they are back and forth at one another, and that's it. Do you realize what you're seeing here? You guys, do you realize what, what is happening here? A lady is coming between the three of you who she said she doesn't give a shit about mm-hmm. either one of you, okay? And I said, if she's that good, <laughs> could you all bring the mother to me? <laughs> Bring Mrs. Uh, Braxton to yeah, Coach Beard. I, I, I said that. I thought Clem was going to go nuts, but I was trying to make a point, okay? Come on, guys. And it just, they, that lady separated, and not only did she separate them, she separated the team because guys took sides. Mm-hmm. They took sides. It was the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life. That was the first scandal, quote, that I remember as a fan. I'm like, oh, a girl can yeah. do that to a team. You think teams were all best friends? Right, right. I mean, I, I, to this day, and I, I had a talk with Clem the other day. I said, Clem, can you believe that happened? Oh, can you? What could have been the truth? What could have been with those three guys? Special, at that, at special. that, at that particular time, it could have really been special. All right, I'm gonna ask you a few questions now okay. as we finish up. All right. Any memorabilia you kept from your days? Yeah. Give me one cool piece of memorabilia. Don't tell me the ring. Don't no, tell no, me no, the, no, okay. no. No, I, I, <laughs> I have two. I have my college jersey. Okay. That I never gave back to the University of Louisville. Okay. That they, back then you had a $15 laundry check. I love that, it. I love it. That they took. I said, you can keep that $15. You're never going to get this jersey. Love it. You can have the number and put it on somebody else's back, but you're never going to get this jersey. Okay? And I have my 21 jersey from Golden State Warriors when we won the championship. Okay. And the warm-up. I never gave that back. That's the reason why they traded me. Yeah, that's really, get the hell butch out of here. Did you ever ask – I have asked other players. I don't know if it's different now, but did you ever ask another player for an autograph? Or or a piece of jersey like I know Kobe's game. No, no, no. Okay, I only had I only have one autograph. Who is it? Oscar Robinson, the Big O. Yeah, that's my idol. Where's your championship ring right now? 
uh, in a case. I don't wear it. I I kind of want you to wear it today. I kind of want yeah, to take it. Well, it, it. it yeah. I don't. And and Mike, the reason why I don't wear it is because they traded me too soon. I wore it for a week, mm-hmm. and they. But this was after they had traded me, and so I. That's so for either one of my kids or one of my grandkids. I'm not sure. You know which one is going to get it. The grandkids are like they like you more. Yeah, they, <laughs> well, the grandkids have they have my warm ups. I have my Nick warm up too. Oh, that's cool shit. All right. I gave it to. Well, him. We're gonna give him some more drinks. He's giving me more. Best basketball movie out there right now. If you need to watch one basketball movie, it's one in the morning. Nothing's on TV. What's the favorite? Your favorite basketball movie? The one that I was in, which is the fish to save Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> And it's a Dr. J movie, but of it's course the fish it is. Pit- but I was in the movie. Then it's the best movie there it's is. It's the best movie. Come on. You played in New York. Yes. I love New York Street Ball. The lore of it, the uh, the rumors, the accolades, the you know, yeah. larger in life players. When you were here, the best street ball player you heard of that you watched play. Uh, not the best street ball player. The best. Well, well, I'm gonna go back. Okay. Kentucky is noted for the dirt bowl down in Louisville. There was a player by the name of Walt Simon, played for the Kentucky Colonels, that's a New York guy. In the summer, we brought a team to Harlem, an all-star dirt bowl. Up to Rucker? To Rucker. Okay. Okay. Uh, Had a team from Philadelphia, a team from Chicago, and this was my first time playing against Dr. J. Okay? He owned the Rucker, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. He and Tiny. So, Nate. Oh. so Kentucky and New York got to the finals. We were here because we were staying in hotels. Dr. J and, and, and Tiny, of course, was driving, but they had to wait. The game did not start until they showed up, okay? The game started, and the clock was running. It got so good, they stopped the clock and kept the score, and the PA guy kept rocking and rolling. And you guys just kept playing. And we just kept playing. Oh. And that was, that was, I'm telling you, I, that was priceless. It was priceless. That it just was, showed how awesome that game must have been. Oh, I, I mean, we had artists. Gilmore, I mean, we, we, had a, we had a squad. They had a squad. Just play. Well, you just named Butch Beard, Artis Gilmore, Tiny, Dr. Yeah. J. Those are legends of just basketball play. just playing just, on just the street. Play. We just played. It's like, listen, that game, this game's too good to end. Pause. Just keep playing. Yeah. That's, a, that's what happened. Two final questions. Well, one, you told me beforehand, do you go down to Kentucky a lot? Because I'm yeah. actually heading down there Friday. Yeah. And what are you doing down there? Because it's actually pretty cool what you said you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there, is a, there is a historical black school, Simmons College of Kentucky. A uh, guy that I brought into the coaching profession, Jerry. He's played at the University of Louisville. He was my assistant. He is the athletic director and the men's basketball coach. So he called me up last two years ago and asked me if I would come down and help him out. This is dealing with at-risk kids, okay? This is kids off the streets. We've lost a couple of kids to the streets. Uh, but it's a liberal arts school. We're trying to see if we can save some kids through sports. It's not scholarship they come on financial aid need it's it's really through uh their Pell grant is how they get into school mm-hmm. we use the basketball piece to allure them to school okay now the corporations in kentucky are telling us if these kids graduate 
they will have an opportunity to give them good jobs, jobs starting in, in about the $40,000 range. That's hard for a kid who's out here in the street. He can't see that far, but, you know, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Next year I'm going to go back. I've been the last two years, and I'm going to start a girls' team. And I, we just had our tryout. Girls were there. We're going to try to keep them off the streets and do the same thing with them. So that's what I'm doing now, and it's very rewarding. Uh, there was something on NBA TV with us, Simmons College of Kentucky. It was okay. a feature. If you want to get on NBATV.com, you will see it. Well, now my poor girlfriend's going to have to come home. We're going to watch yeah, it. She yeah. watches enough sports with me. Uh, now she's going to have to I, watch a Simmons game. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's what I do in Louisville. And what part of Kentucky is that in? It's in Louisville. Okay, cool. Yeah. And this is the last question, mm -hmm. and I ask this to every person on my show. Mm -hmm. Butch Beard and I were at a bar one night. The bar is packed, and you want to impress people. You left your, you left your championship ring at home. Who's the coolest person in your phone that you can text that would text you back? We all have numbers of a cool guy. Right now, if Butch Beard took his phone out and goes, you know what, I'm going to text so-and-so, and within one hour, who's the coolest guy that would write back? Because I'll tell you the two coolest answers I think I've had. Derek Anderson, Kentucky boy, from Louisville, I believe. Yeah, I know He came DA. on. He had Michael Jordan in his phone. Okay. But Jordan didn't text back. I don't okay. want to blow up DA. Okay. But I had Rob O'Neill on uh, mm -hmm. last week, the guy who killed Osama bin Laden, and he had Charlie Sheen on. And Charlie Sheen not only wrote back, but FaceTimed him back. So who's the coolest guy? We're going to end the show now. If you texted him on your way home tonight, who would write back to you? The coolest guy on your phone. Well, there's quite a few of them. But I would have to say probably all of my former teammates at Golden State, starting with Rick Barry, who never talked to anybody. And Rick Barry would write back to you. I can hit him right that's, now. That's oh, see how cool. See that's. <laughs> hey, here's what we're doing. I'm telling you right now. You think I'm joking around too, Butch? You're gonna you're gonna write to Rick Barry right now. <laughs> No, I'm just going to show you that uh, yesterday. Okay. All right. Don't show me my text because I'm not cool no, at all. No, no, We've no, been no. texting. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm going to show you. Okay. This is this is the type of stuff. Did I get? Did I delete it? Nope. Here it is. This is. <laughs> Let me see what this is. <laughs> this is the stuff Rick, that right, we, we go back and forth. You got to go ahead. No, no. Go I'll ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, don't tell, see. Don't you ruin the. All right. And <laughs> <laughs> Butch Beard, I'm gonna, I gotta tell you something, I'm gonna end the show now. First, that was awesome. And number two, you, and I mean this, and I'm not just saying this, my girlfriend's here. You truly exceeded this expectation of an interview. I knew it was gonna be a fun interview. We never met, we talked to 40 seconds of the dinner. Yeah. Hearing those inside stories and just being open, it was just be, beyond awesome. I really do appreciate you coming on. No, I love what you do. Thank keep you, sir. Keep doing what you're doing, all right? We're good. You know, you're doing it in a different way. I'm just out here trying to help out a little bit, okay? So cool, my friend. All right. Thank Love you, Mr. Yes, sir. Thank you, friend.